and makes rich. He brings low and he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray once more. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are truly our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I was in youth group, one of the retreats that we would go to, we always had to get up early in the morning. It was called Mission Fest. We got up early in the morning, um, about 7 o'clock, which was early for a youth. Some of you that's not early for. And the way we would get going after breakfast was the song leader would always lead us in some wake-up songs before we went out to do work in the city of Jackson. And one of the songs that he loved to lead us in was called Leaning on the Lord's Side. And he would play his guitar a little bit, and then he'd say, whose side are you leaning on? And the, the congregation would say, leaning on the Lord's side. So can we try that? Whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on whose side are you leaning on? And then you had to move. You had to start leaning back and forth. And you'd say, I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, leaning on the Lord's side. And there were other things that you'd do too. You'd poke and you'd pinch and you'd tickle. All these things to get drowsy youth awake and ready to go and work for the day. That was a fun way of asking the question that Hannah is answering this morning. Hannah's prayer is a reminder for us that the first thing we need to know each day before we wake up or as we wake up and before we go to bed is that the Lord is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in time of need. That comes from Psalm 46.1 and the rest of it goes like this. We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Though all of creation is disrupted, we will not fear, it says. The foundations of the earth will be shaken before our God himself will be shaken. Even when everything else is crazy, we will not fear because we know the power and the goodness of God. This is what Hannah is singing about. It's a song that echoes throughout the verses of Scripture from the beginning to the end. You see, it's not enough simply for Hannah to pray and to ask God to come and to give her a child, to give her a son. When all has been completed, when her task with this son is finished just a few years into his life, she finds that she must sing the praises of her God. Hannah has been through it and she's come through it. For years it felt like God had been silent to her as Peninnah rubbed her face in her barrenness, as she poured salt in the wounds, as Hannah felt so forgotten, neglected, and unheard by God. But God has remembered her, and God has blessed her with a son, and she has returned to God the greatest blessing she ever asked for. 
She doesn't hold it for herself, but gives him back to the Lord as soon as he's weaned. And now it's time for her to exult, to lift up her voice with great noise as she shouts her praises to God, and then to exalt God, to lift him up, to lift God up high above everything else in her life, to exult and exalt. She feels vindicated, redeemed, saved by God's action, and she recognizes that there's no room for her to boast except in the Lord. It was the Lord who gave her this child, not her own ability to bear it. She's come to know the Lord's power and providence, the Lord's care and salvation and vindication. She's now experienced what she has always believed, that God can turn her world upside down. Hannah, you see, is not a bandwagon fan. She's like Job in two very important ways. You may remember that Job had a tremendous amount of wealth. Job had many children. He had tons of cattle and herds and all kinds of animals. He's the wealthiest man you could imagine. And he lost everything, even his own health. Hannah's like Job in that she hasn't gotten to experience God's bounty in the way she always hoped. For Job, it was taken away. For Hannah... It's never even been offered. It's always been declined for her. Never a possibility. But then, like Job, despite her unfulfilled desires, she's continued to go to God, to trust God to provide for her, trust God to save her. Even when Job lost everything, he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I will not curse God and die as his wife encouraged him to do. He says, I'd rather be on the Lord's side than anywhere else. It may very well have been better for me not to have been born than to experience the pain and grief I have, but now that I'm here, I'm with the Lord. Hannah pleads with the Lord, remember me, bless me, and I will bless you. She doesn't jump on the Lord's bandwagon after she gets the blessing. She's already there. Many of you may know that I have a tendency to be critical of bandwagon sports fans, the ones that figure out which team's going to be successful that year and they all jump on board and they get excited. When I see people wandering around Mississippi with Golden State Warriors jerseys, I wonder how long they've been fans. And when the success goes away, they go away too and move on to the next successful group. But Hannah is not a bandwagon fan. And we can't be either if we intend to be on the Lord's side. Hannah teaches us that the steadfast power of the Lord is not dependent on how it looks like things are going in the moment. It's not defined by how well things are going for us right now. Hannah was faithful before when she was barren. She was faithful during her pregnancy and when she had Samuel and after, even as things continue to go well for her. At the very beginning of this prayer, she says, My horn is raised. It's not something we're inclined to say very much, but it's helpful if you imagine a rhinoceros lifting up its head and raising its horn. It's a sign of strength and power. No longer bent over, but ready to charge, she says. And as she ends the prayer, we'll come back to this. She says that the horn of Israel is raised as well. You see, things are always in danger 
of being turned upside down. With the youth just Friday night, we watched uh, The Princess Bride at the Parsonage. And one of the most compelling things about the early part of the movie is that there's a great swordsman who is so confident in his skills, he starts fighting left-handed, but still he loses. And then there's Andre the Giant who's so confident in his strength, but still he loses. And then Vizzini who's so confident in his mind that he challenges his challenger to a battle of wits, and he loses. Each of them are proud and confident in their strengths, and they turn out to be insufficient. Hannah says, those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The bows of the mighty, the bows of the mighty are broken. They can't be good archers anymore, but the feeble are clothed in strength. And then she says the strangest thing. She's only had one son, but she says the barren has borne seven. Enough. This number seven is the number of completion. But the one who has many children is forlorn. God makes the poor and the rich. He brings low and exalts. The poor and the needy, she says, are going to sit with princes. They're going to have the seats of honor. In my sophomore year of college, I had my whole life together. My classes were great. I had an overloaded schedule. I was making great grades. I was in great shape. I was running regularly and ran a half marathon. But over Christmas, I had the first evidence of getting sick. It happened, thankfully, during Christmas break, and I was able to have everything back together for that semester and even was able to get back in shape over the next summer. I was proud. I was taking more classes than anybody else. I was doing everything right. Things were just as they were supposed to be. But as I started my junior year, I again took an overloaded schedule and was working and my health got bad again, but this time at the very beginning of the semester. And I got really sick and I missed two weeks of class and I had to drop a class just so I could finish the semester. And it was a fight all the way through to catch up and to make it work. Before I got sick, I thought my success had been rooted in my own hard work, and certainly I wouldn't have had it without my hard work, but there was a lot more supporting my success. I wasn't having to maintain multiple jobs to pay for school. My scholarships and parents were helping with that, and my body was functioning the way it was supposed to. I had someone to cook meals for me and someone to provide me with the right medicines to keep things together. At that moment, everything I thought I had built was teetering right on the edge. And if we're honest, the same thing could happen for you or me today or any day. A tornado, a wrong temptation at the wrong time, a little bad luck, a mistake from years ago that catches up with you, a bad doctor's visit where you get the news that you dread, and everything might be turned upside down. If what we stand on is what we can build, we're standing on sand, Jesus says in the Gospels. But if we build our lives on the Lord and the word of the Lord, we're standing on solid rock. Hannah sings this a bit differently as she describes how the Lord made the pillars that hold up the earth. And after he established the pillars, he sets the Lord on those pillars that they might be secure. If the Lord has made the pillars on which the earth sit, on which you sit, not even the pew on which you're sitting is as reliable 
people as the Lord is. The Lord's enemies will be destroyed, but his king will have strength. What I'm saying is that you can take credit for your station in life, but to do so is to be a little too big for your britches. Because it can all change in an instant. One person wins the lottery and the other goes bankrupt. Penina has had this kind of arrogance herself as she rubs it into Hannah that she has children and Hannah doesn't. But the one with many children turns out to be the most sad in Hannah's song. This isn't to say that how you live doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that your actions have no bearing in your life. But it is to say that tragedy can strike at any moment and luck can strike at any moment. But the scripture doesn't use this language and speaks about how the Lord can raise up and bring low. You could be in the right place at the right time with the right idea and make millions. Or you could be just a week late after somebody else has already copyrighted the idea you've been working on for years. Something happens as Hannah sings this song of God's might and the Lord's vindication. Of God's capacity to turn hers and yours and my life around. Hannah's song becomes Israel's song. And it becomes the song of the church. As I mentioned at the very beginning, this song echoes through the ages. This idea of God's ability to turn everything around and upside down is what Mary sings about when she herself finds herself pregnant with the one who saved the world, Christ our Lord. And as Hannah sings about the one who is barren has seven children, it turns out that she's going to have five more kids, bringing her total to six. It's not hard to imagine that the seventh that she imagines is the son of the king that her own son Samuel will anoint. For Jesus is in the line of David who was anointed by Samuel. This is Israel's story over and over again that whenever you think things are steady, the Lord might turn everything upside down. He takes the Israelites who are enslaved in Egypt and he brings them out to be conquerors in the land that he's promised to them. And once they're conquerors in that land and they begin to be unfaithful to the law that God has set before them, they find themselves conquered. And as they despair in exile far from home, God brings them home yet again and leads them to rebuild their country yet again. The story of Samuel, 1st and 2nd Samuel, closes with a song not from Hannah, but a song from David. A song that echoes very much the ideas of Hannah's song. This story, that God is faithful, that God is powerful, that we ourselves are not in control but dependent on God for every breath, is the story of Scripture through and through. And it foreshadows all that will come. Constantly, God is overturning those who are comfortable that we might lean on him and leading those of us who are uncomfortable to abide in him and know his comfort. Hannah says, for not by might does one prevail. It's not by our own strength that we come to know victory. Our victory is in the Lord. I wonder today where your faith lies. I wonder who is your hope and stay. Is it you and your own hard work and what you've been able to accomplish? 
I wonder if everything unravels, if your life begins to fall apart, where you will return. Where will you turn? Will it be the doctor? Will it be your attorney? Will it be your insurance agent or your counselor? Will it be those things but primarily the Lord? Will it be yourself and your own abilities to fix things? Or will you turn to the Lord? And if you will turn to the Lord in the bad times, why not turn to Him as well in the good times? There is no room for the proud in the midst of the gospel. For if we are here, it is by God's grace. God is the only one who can save us, the only one who can lift us out of the pit, the only one who can be steadfast for us in a world that is constantly being turned upside down. This is the good news today, that the Lord who is steadfast wants to be steadfast for you. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy to trust ourselves and our own abilities. It's easy to build houses of sand that will easily be destroyed. Teach us, Lord, what it means to live in your house, to abide with you and to trust in you, to follow after you and to seek you, whether things are good or whether they are bad. For you are the only one who is steadfast. You are the only one who can love us as we need to be loved. It's the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. As we acknowledge together who God is, this God that we serve, let's stand and sing hymn number 110, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. First, second, and last verses.